Satan, demons, angels, victory. That's what this series is all about. My first sermon here, it's going to be an overview. I'm going to cover overview, not in depth, but the subsequent sermons will cover in depth and you will cover more in depth in your CG. Growing up for me, ghosts. Presence of medium, the tanki, understanding of satans and demons are not uncommon. Very common for me, for my family. Okay, we talk about it. The question is not whether are they real. The question is how to avoid them at all costs. <laughs> don't go and go and tapple with this so that they don't come and bother you. I don't bother you, they don't come and bother me. I remember uh, my first fear comes when I was in primary school. See, I stay in Malaysia, we have in a terrace house. Not like HDB flat, HDB flat very, very, very short. You play ping pong, you can only ping pong, you cannot play football. Okay? It's a bit short. But my house in, uh, in Malaysia, terrace house, is quite long, okay? So I sleep in the first room, the toilet's in the last room, okay? And then the fourth room is in the last room, it's quite a long distance to walk. And, and sometimes I will wake up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet. But I go to the toilet, I'm not afraid. Why? Because I know that my grandmother sleeps in the last room. Her door is always open. She's there. So I can go to the toilet in peace. And then my grandmother passed away. And then I got high tide. This time, I, when I go to the toilet, I'm very fearful. Why? First, my grandmother is not there. Secondly, I don't know who else is there. <laughs> and I will endure, endure my own house. I will endure, endure, endure. Cannot tahan, cannot take it. I'll be so fearful about just in case maybe the spirit of my grandmother is around. I hope she recognized me. <laughs> and I was very fearful. I do not know about Christ then. Fearful about this, en uh, this encounter. And later on, I become Christians. Some of you may become Christians and then you heard about demon possessions or demon under demon uh, spirits and then people manifest. And then, and then you, you look at this and say, that, wow, this is all very chim, very difficult. Ask the pastor. Or ask the church leader. Oh, this, this is uh, Edwin Chua's problem. This Edwin Chua issue. I don't know. Last time, it was another pastor. I, I tried to avoid and I dare not double this. And sometimes it was fear. It's fear. What happens if they come and cut down me? They come and disturb me? What do I do? What happened to do with those thoughts? What and then, uh, let me just deal with evil within. Okay? But evil without, I think, a, a, bit, a bit more challenging. I, I'm not going to do that. And I got fear. Paralyzed of some of this. Maybe some of you are in this kind of situations. What to do with the fear, both the evil within as well as evil without? What happens if I encounter some of these cases? What do I do? What do I do? Or maybe some of you are unsure. Maybe a bit skeptical, maybe because abuses of people. And then I say, ah, these people are very superstitious. Or maybe through the education, you realize that hey, there's no such thing as this spiritual or the spiritual realm. I just go on my, Christ my life, Christian life is okay. Regardless of what it is, I, would, I pray that today your eyes will be open. Look at the scriptures, what the Bible has to say about reality, about this world, so that together we, we learn from the Word of God rather than we learn from our personal experience. So the first thing that I want to share with us next is that we, you and I, like it or not, we are involved in an invisible war. There is an invisible world out there. It is as real as the visible world. Why do I say that? You look at the world, look at the, all the 
uh, the evils that right now, particularly right now, you see a lot of evil that is happening in the world. Where does this evil come from? The reality, all the attacks, where does this evil come from? And then the Bible is very clear. Unless you discount Bible, unless you discount Jesus Christ, then you, you, know, you cannot discount this reality. Because that's what we talk about in the whole Bible. Let's look at the Old Testament. Next. The Old Testament, at the creations, Satan was there. At creation, Satan was there to tempt Eve and Adam to sin against God. And then we just cover first king, at second king. There's this Elisha, there's this particular prophet. I forgot to put the reference there. If you want to write down the prophet, the, the reference will be Second Kings chapter 6. The enemy of uh, of Elisha, the Aramean army, was surrounding the city where Elisha was. And the servant panicked. He said, look at the enemy. There are so many. They are surrounding us. And you know what Elisha did? He said, do not fear. He prayed for the eyes of the servant to be opened. When the eyes of the servant opened, he discovered what? Those who were with them were greater than those who were of, uh, of the enemy. They saw, he saw the angels were surrounding them, protecting them. There is an invisible world, there is a spiritual world out there and they are protecting God's people. From the Old Testament, look at the New Testament next. The Lord Jesus Christ, look at Him. Many encounters, Satan himself come and attacked Him. And then there were many encounters about the deliverance. People who are demon, uh, uh, under demonic uh, influence, and there were a lot of this. Unless you discount Jesus Christ, you cannot discount this demonic attack here. We are in the visible. And then, Apostle Paul's teaching. And I want to look at the book of Ephesians right now. If you have the Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Next. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 12. Okay. Shall we read together? Okay. One, two, three. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In heaven. Look at this verse here. Paul said, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the armor. Why? Because there is a warfare. And what is this warfare? Not against flesh and blood. Not against flesh and blood. It's talking about not about the material things that you can see. Not just about humans. But there is another element there. What is this? He used four words. Rulers, authorities, powers, and spiritual forces. These, I believe, are hierarchies of demonic power. Working. Working. And he used the word, our struggle. Some version put our wrestling. This is a wrestling match. Try to pin one another. Hand-to-hand combat. It is constant. It is intense. It requires concentration. And the word there, our struggle, is present tense. Not past, not future, present tense. Continuously, you and I are in the struggle with the demonic power there. And it's very interesting. Why? He wrote this to the book, to the people of Ephesus. If you remember the book of Acts, what happened to the book of Acts? Before the people received Christ, or after the person re- believed in Jesus Christ, they took all the occultic practices, all the fortune-telling things, they, they burned it. 
So these people, people in Ephesus, they are very aware about spiritual things. In spite of this, he still asks them, he still tells them, hello. It is not about flesh and blood. There is spiritual power. There is a reality here. Why? Just in case they forget, just in case they are not aware, just in case they are skeptical, just in case they are fearful. Paul reminded them about these two realities here. There's victory and there is warfare. And we can, sometimes people can, when talk about spiritual people, can swing over one extreme or the other. Listen to what uh, C.S. Lewis said in, in, the, in the book, in the school tip letters. He said this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about demons. One is to disbelieve its existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased with both errors. Hail the materialists or the magicians with the same delight. Two extreme. On one, discount. There is no spiritual world. All everything happened in the matter of material. The other one is superstitious. Oh, everything demonic. Oh, cast this out, cast this out. Everything is demonic. Either one, he's happy. Because you will going to you're not going to be prepared for the war. One, you will definitely you'll be defeated because you're already defeated. The other one, you don't even know what what will hit you because you're totally discount there is a warfare going on. Both. So to understand this, we need to understand how you and I look at the world. That's called the worldview. <clears throat> there are different kinds of worldviews. Okay, uh, today I want to highlight just three. Zoom in on three general dis- dis- descriptions that can help us to understand this. This is taken from the book Spiritual Warfare by Timothy Warner. The first worldview will be the animistic worldview. It's most widely held worldview. Not the formalized system, like we're having certain books, but then it sees expressions in many folk, uh, uh, folk level practices in many of the major religions, including Christianity. Okay, and also you come out also in the secular realm. Some of this. Let me just explain. First of all, they believe in the, they they view not say they believe in the non-material world. In the non-material world, there is a creator God. God create. But God leave the world alone and He's distant and He's far. He leave you to run by itself. And then there's this impersonal spiritual force. This impersonal, not living, amoral, neutral, and it's not personal. Okay? But these are force. The Chinese will call this what? Qi. And those of you who play games, you understand this term called mana. Who, do, who read anime, you understand mana. And then, those of you who are into Star Wars, what is it? They, the force be with you. Impersonal, immoral. You can use it for good or you can use it for bad. Depend on how you utilize it. Just like Electricity. Okay, it can power, it can light up the place, but electricity also can use it to kill people. So this is, but you look at the Bible. Did the Bible talk about this impersonal spiritual force? No. In the Bible, you look at the, the spiritual force, it's all as personality. Later we'll learn more about this area. So this is one kind of spiritual force that they can utilize, manipulate. 
then there's also a personal spirit. And this personal spirit you have associated with the good ones as well as the bad ones. They are good spirits, good nature. They are also bad spirits. And also there are spirits that in the nature where it influences the plants, influence the enemies, uh, animals, influence the, the trees, everything. I, I remember, um, those of you in the army, you probably will know that. When you go to the jungle, when you want to pee, you better say something. Ask for permission. Excuse me. I'm going to do my business. Don't bother me, okay? Why are they doing that? Because there is a belief that some of these trees are inhabited by spirits. Don't offend them. My mother, tell me, don't bang on the table. Why? There is a table God there. You don't want to offend the table God. Again, it comes from this belief that there is this personal spirit in this, in this particular realm here. The key is to maintain good harmony relationship with the spirit world, whether it is impersonal or personal. And then, <clears throat> the human, they are in this particular uh, material realm. You and I live. <clears throat> and the separation between the non-material world and the material world, it's poros. It's all permeable. <clears throat> the key is to maintain harmony. To these people who have this kind of worldview, they could not conceive a purely scientific kind of worldview. They could not differentiate where, how can people can differentiate between the physical and the non-physical? They are all intermingled. They are all part of one. But there's one group of people who can manipulate the non-material. There's one group of people. Who is group of people? They are the, let's say, the, the, the non-material influence the, the material world and also vice versa. We can make use of this. But there's one group who can, they are the so-called specialists. They know how to maneuver the, the mana or the non-material, uh, the impersonal force. At the same time, they can maneuver some of this uh, personal spirit here. This group of people, if you are in a Star Wars fan, they are called the Jedi Master. Uh, but if you're in, in uh, if you're into the Chinese, there's one group of people who are called the Feng Shui Master. They manipulate what? The impersonal force. And then there's one group of people who can manipulate the personal spirits. Who are these people? The medium, the tanki, the medium, the witch doctors. These are the people who can manipulate this particular uh, spirit force in, in order to influence. Recently, we have um, our sister, Catherine Quack's father just passed away. Last week, I was talking to her. The father was a medium. And the father went to a church. I, I think it was a Methodist church. And he refused to walk, come into the church. He was squatting outside the church like a monkey. Why? Because there was a monkey spirit within him. He was you, you manipulating the monkey spirit in order to help him to able to uh, tell certain people's fortune because he was a medium. So he was out there, he refused to come in. But the pastor went out, the pastor talked to him, shared the gospel. Finally, he comes in and then God delivered him. And at service, he gave his life to Christ. And he, and he passed away as a Christian. Praise the Lord for that. So these are so-called the specialist people who can do this kind of things. Imagine if you come from this particular background, the animistic worldview, and then you become a Christian you will still have realms of this remnant worldview you bring to Christianity. How would you view this reality? You might view God as a distant God. 
God is distant. He just leave the world alone. Or you might be very fearful of the spirit realm. Don't want to offend the spiritual realm. And when you have any spiritual problem, you go to who? The specialist. You go to Evin Chua. Where's Evin Chua? I know him. Behind you, go to Evin Chua. You go to the specialist. You don't dare not to deal with all this kind of thing. Or you become very superstitious. Superstitious. Oh, this thing cannot do, that thing cannot do, this thing cannot read, that one cannot read. Become very superstitious or become very helpless. Or you may try even the fortune-telling way. You take the Bible, you open up the Bible. Ta-da! Psalm 23, verse 43. 2, 3, 4, 3. Bye! <laughs> Don't laugh. I've heard of Christians who do that. I turn to Psalms. The Bible is very good to, to find out the 4D numbers. Hanling, Hanling. So, some of this may just carry over. So, this is one worldview. The animistic worldview. The second worldview is a secular worldview. This is a secular worldview where they believe there is a material world as well as the non-material world. And then there is a gap. It's notice it is a straight line. They don't mix. They are supposed to be kept separate. They are supposed to be kept separate. Under the non-material world, they think that maybe there's a God. I don't care. And then they could be angels, they could be demons. But all these are myths. All these are ideas. All these are legends in order to help people to explain the unexplainable. They come from this particular background here. And then they will view this what? That we are down here, the human beings. They'll use the non-material world. This belongs to the realm of the supernatural. We, we live in the natural and then, they live in the superstitions. We live in the scientific. There's evidence. You can see. They are the realms of the religions. We, the realms of the science. As a gap. These things, does not. the top does not influence the bottom. The tops are just ideas. Ideas. And the bottom, they operate on natural laws without any spirit involvement. Well, they may accept that sometimes unexplainable things may happen. Sometimes miracle may happen. But with time, it can be explained. You just give time. You don't know enough. But don't go, and, don't go and say that these are all related to the spirit world. No, there's no such things. Imagine if you are from this background. Or you went to a university, the professor drummed this into your mind. Or you read books, drummed into your mind. And then you begin to accept all this background. And you become a Christian. How would you view the world? Perhaps you might be very skeptical about spiritual world. But you say, yes, God, yes, yeah, but Jesus Christ died, yes. But spiritual realm, the unseen. And then you have this dichotomy between the spirit world and the physical world. That's like, is it a physical problem or spiritual problem? Okay? And you don't believe in uh, um, attributing to Satan any mishap, any accidents, any relationship conflicts, any sickness. All these happen in the meth- physical world. There's nothing to do with it. Spirit does not affect all these things. Miracles, very rare. I don't think it happened at the Christ. Don't happen now. Maybe such thought may creep in as you read the Bible. The question now, if you 
are Satan and demons. You look at the person from this secular worldview. How do you want them to continue on this worldview? What do you do? People at this particular secular worldview may say, I don't see miracles. I don't see demon possessions. I don't see any of these manifestations. Why? I suspect, okay, this is my own uh, speculation. I suspect if I'm the, de- the, the, the evil one, to make you entrench more on this secular view, I will let you see less. I don't even review much more. Because the lesser you see, the more entrenched you are to believe that there's this dichotomy. But if you are from the animistic worldview, I let you see more. <laughs> Why? I want to entrap you with more fear, more control, more fear. That's why sometimes people say, I don't see. And you look carefully, particularly uh, Jerusha was sharing, her, her father works among the, uh, the, the, the Orang Asli in, in Malaysia. This spiritual warfare thing, it's a very common thing. Common, regularly they will see. They have to do deliverance regularly. But in Singapore or some of the more so-called secular, how come we don't see much? I suspect maybe the evil one wants you to be more entrenched on this area. But let's look at the Bible. What did Jesus say? What did the Word of God, did God say about the way we should view the world? The third one, the biblical worldview. The biblical worldview, there are three realms. God, angels, and human. Let's look at God first. And there is this God. This is a creator God. Personal God. Sovereign God. God who is very involved. Satan apparently tried to inherit this realm. He tried to be like God. But he was cast out. He was cast out from the And then there's these realms of angels. And these angels have different hierarchy. The angels are what? God's servant to carry out His purpose on earth. On earth. You see some of the the angels there. They all have personal nature. There's no such thing as impersonal force that is neutral that you can manipulate. When you're manipulating so-called neutral things, you're actually manipulating the spirit world. So some of the angels, what are they called? Cherubim, seraphim, archangels, angels. What do they do? They minister God in worship. And when the Lord Jesus Christ, He was weak, guess who come and minister? Angels come and minister to Him. And angels are in our midst. He also ministers to Christians. They protect Christians, guide Christians, deliver Christians. They are even guardian angels. You don't see them, does not mean that it is not there. You don't see them, does not mean it's not there. Angels are here all around. That's what the Word of God says. Unfortunately, there's not just good angels. There's also the demonic ones. That is Satan. Satan rebelled against God and he was cast out from heaven. And together with him, he he brought along many other demons. The book of Revelation seems to indicate one third of them, the fallen angels, they are called demons into the world. They attacked. What do they work to do? They attacked the very thing that God created. The glory of God is at stake. You and I, human beings, we bear the glory of God, the image of God. He tried to destroy it. He destroyed it. But His authority and power is under leash. Under leash. Why? He needs permissions. Like the temptation and attack of Job. 
Satan have to come to ask God, can I do this? Same thing also, before Peter was tempted, Satan also have to ask God's Christ's permission whether he can tempt uh, Sat- uh, Peter. And Satan's destiny has been established. But he's not alone. There are demons all around doing, doing all his power, doing all his things in order to what? Deceive Christians in order to distort God's glory on earth. And you know, notice here, we are down here, the human realm. And then the separation of these three realms, it is not solid line, but dotted line because they influence one another. God can influence the demonic realms. God can influence the angelic realm. The angelic realm, the spiritual realm, the demons and satans, they also influence you and I, human. And God also relate to us directly. We can relate to God directly, all together. There is a battle going on. The kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. As I mentioned, the battle is about the glory of God. Satan seeks to pervert God's creations. So if you look at this worldview, it's a very holistic worldview. There's no dichotomy. What is material, what is immaterial. It's all part of one. There's no unhealthy fear towards the spirit realm because God is sovereign. God is sovereign. In fact, someone said this, the depravity of man, the evil without man is the most empirically verifiable reality. The presence of evil, the presence of demonic, it is very real. But sometimes, we are not prepared for that. We are not prepared for that. And then we go walk into the world, we cannot bombard it, we live a defeated Christian life, and then under attack, we don't even know what hit us because we didn't understand or forget or did not know our authority. That is why Paul has to say this to the efficient Christians. Be strong in the Lord. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. What you can see, there is a warfare that is unseen. So that's the first truth that we need to know. Second one, next. Is that our foe is formidable. Don't underestimate our foe. It is formidable. Next. Satan's goal is your destructions, my destruction. Listen to what the Word of God say. Be alert and of sober spirit, sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to what? To lick, seeking for someone to smell, someone to devour, eat up, holy, <laughs> destructions. John 10.10, 10, the thief referred to the, the evil one. The thief come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Look carefully. Actually, thief, when they come, they, don't, they just steal. But this one, don't just steal. Kill and destroy. But Christ said, I come that you might have life and have it abundantly, way to the full. Look at this. Satan has no mercy. No mercy. When he attacks, he gives all out for destructions. Look at life of Job in the Old Testament. When God said, God was very proud with Job. And then Satan said, you think you, he's very proud. He worship you for nothing because you bless him. That's why. But Job said, I, but 
God said, uh, the, the, the Satan said, you put a hedge around him, you protect him. Then he asked God for permission. So you know what he did? First, through the elements, he removed all his properties, all his cattle, everything. Earthquake, everything destroyed. His possession destroyed. Secondly, he kills his children, killed his daughter, children, all destroyed, no mercy. Thirdly, he attacked his body, he filled with sores, everything taken away. No mercy. That's the attack of the evil one. And what is their main schemes? Next. Satan makes him. Satan has many schemes. Sometimes the scheme is in our mind, the battlefield. Sometimes the, the schemes attack is in the spiritual realm. Today, I want to just highlight three briefly because Pastor Kofi and Evin Chua will go into details about the others or into details about this particular tree. Today, I want to highlight the tree that is the, the main battleground centered around our mind. First one. Next. Deceptions. Lies. Talking about people who follow Satan's. You are children of your father, the devil. For you want to know your father's desires. From the very beginning, he was a murderer and he has never been on the side of truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he's doing something what is naturally natural to him. Because what? He's a liar. The father of all lies. He's a liar. Okay, this is very tricky. If I come to John, I threaten him, he knows. If I come to Vincent, I beat him, he knows. But if I come to deceive them, they don't even know what hit them. Deceptions. That is Satan's strategy. Deceptions about who you are in Christ. Deceptions about who God is. God is good. Deceptions about the world. Deceptions about even his existence. That is the lies of the evil one. The first one, he will spread lies into your mind. Make you think that it is your thoughts and then make you accept it as a truth. So that's the first one. Second one. Next, temptation. Even the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't even let go. God himself, he don't even let go. He even come and tempt God. How ridiculous it is. And do you think that he will let us go? No. He will come and tempt us. He come and tempt us, make us sin. Sin against God. Because when you sin against God, you cut off your fellowship with God, cut off your protections, you are vulnerable. He makes us sin. Look at our handphone. Very easy. There are so many pop-up. Any website pop-up, lure you to some of the pornographic. And then certain, certain voices may come, steal this thing. Or, yeah, nobody see lah. Just do it a little bit more. Say this a little bit lie. Do this a little bit more. All the temptations to make us sin. And then, first he lies, then he makes us sin. After he sins, after you sin, you know what he did? Next, he come and condemn you, accuse you. Ha, 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 call yourself a Christian, right? Ha, how many years Christian? You mean this kind of thing you also do? Ah? Gone. Whether don't go to church, whether don't read your Bible, God is not going to listen to you. This is talking about the end times here. The dragon, referred to the, the, the evil one. Here, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the world astray. The accuser, he's the accuser. He keeps on accusing of our brothers and still accuse them before God day and night. He accuses us before God days and night. And he accuses us in our mind, regularly tells us, 
negative things, that you are no good, you are useless, you are terrible, God will not accept you. God will not forgive you. All these accusations come. You amount to nothing. All these come. Listen to one sister who had been living a defeated Christian life because of all these accusations. Let me read to you her letter. My old feelings that life isn't worth the trouble keep coming back. I'm scared. I'm lonely, confused, and very desperate. I know deep down that God can overcome this, but I cannot get past this block. I can't even pray. When I try, things get in my way. When I'm feeling good, when I begin to put in, into actions what I know God wants me to do, I'm stopped dead at my tracks by those voices. And the force so strong that I can't continue. I'm so close to giving in to those voices that I almost can't fight them anymore. I just want some peace. Some of you may be hearing some of these voices. It could be audible voices. It could be just impressions in your heart. Voices of condemnations, voices of condemnations. These voices, these thoughts come from who? The demonic power. This is Satan's power here. If I were to stop here, very scary. Looks like we are very defeated. Praise God. There is part two. Amen. That's part two. Next truth. Next. We do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. Satan has been defeated. But the battle is still on. Battle is still on. Let me just mention Christ's victory. Next. Christ's victory over Satan. Colossians 2, verse 15. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Who are these powers and authority? He's talking about the demonic realm. Christ triumphed over them by the cross. How did the cross triumph over Satan? Next verse talks about it. Hebrew chapter 2. Since children have flesh and blood, he too, refer to he here, refer to who? Christ, shared in their humanity so that by his death, he break the power of him who holds the power of death. Satan holds the power of death. But Christ, by his death and resurrections, he freed those whose lives been held in slavery for the fear of death. Satan has been defeated. Satan has. And his destiny is fixed. Let's look at his destiny in the future. Next. Revelation 20, verse 10. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Destiny completed. The cross, the defeated, ultimately, we will put, uh, put, put away forever and ever. Meanwhile, we are in between. He's still around with his demons, still around, creating havoc. We still need to battle with the demonic realm. But we are not alone. God don't let us battle alone. His angel is for us. And God gave us two very important things that today I want you to know so that you can enforce these two very important things. Number one, next, He gave us authority delegated authority to us. Delegated authority. Matthew 28, next. 
Jesus came to them, the disciples, which us also included. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Implied, go with my authority. Delegated authority to do what? Make disciples of all nations. We come with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the book of Ephesians, the same book that talks about spiritual warfare. Before that, in chapter 2, next, it talks about this very interesting um, think about us. Because of His great love for us, God, in His reach, in His mercy, make us, who? You and I, alive with Christ. He raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realm. When are we seated with Christ in the heavenly realm? When? In the past, present, or future? Present. He seated us with Christ, raised us up with Christ. Same time, the moment you invite Christ into your life, you have been raised up with Christ, together with Christ was done in the past, and then you are seated with Him in the heavenly realm. Where was Jesus Christ seated? Or where is Jesus Christ seated? Right hand of God. The right hand of God represents what? Authority. And you are seated with Christ. You are given next to Him authority to rule. You and I are given the authority to rule. The moment you come into the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a marvelous thing. You have that authority. Not just authority. Next. He gave us power. Later, I will explain the difference. Okay. This is Paul. In Ephesians again, just now was Ephesians 2, now it's Ephesians 1. Paul prayed for three things for the Ephesians Christians. First, I pray that you may know the hope. Secondly, inheritance. The third one I want to focus. Where's the third one? The incomparably great power for us who believe. Not complicated power for us who are mature. Is it? No. For us who Believe. If you believe, you have that power. What is this power described? The same power that raised Christ from the dead, make Him alive, and then raise Him up, lift Him up, and seated Him in the reverend realm. The same power is given to who? You and I. Who believe. Christ's victory. Christ's delegated authority. Christ's delegated authority power. And this is very interesting here. Let me just illustrate this. If I were to go down to the main junction there, West Coast Highway, and I stop the car, do you think the car will stop when I go there? The car will not stop. But if I put on the police uniform, I put on the police badge, I go out there, the car will stop. Why? They recognize the authority of the uniform and the badge. But let's say, let's say, some big lorry truck, they refuse to stop. Ah, this time, I bring along my tractor. I come with, I come with uniform, I come with a badge, I come with a huge tractor behind me I, in the middle of the road and I stop. Do you think the, the truck will stop? The truck will stop because why? I have both authority and power behind me. And guess what? 
God has given you both authority and power. Over who? The demonic power. And this is what God has given to us. Let me read to you. Okay, never the power already. I have personal encounter with this. I was ministering with another pastor. He was the lead pastor ministering. I was just assisting and learning from him at, at one of the uh, seminar. And there was one guy, counselor, who came to be ministered. And we went through the various steps to help him to renounce certain things. And we come to the area of forgiveness. Suddenly, that guy manifested. He was speaking with a different voice. His, the black eye, the black the pupil went behind. And then he was, he was, he was just rolling on the floor. But this lead pastor, he was very shy. Just say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to sit down. And the guy just sit down. I command you to let to get down. I want to talk to this counselor. You have nothing to do with this. And he minister to that guy and then let him to forgive the people that uh, he was, he, I think it was his, his parents or what. And after forgiveness, the demon was cast out. He was set free, just like that. He was exercising what was given to him power and authority. Power and authority available for him. And then there was another story here uh, in the book Spiritual Warfare uh, by Timothy Warner. He mentioned about this, this uh, new missionary called the Hillis, the Dick Hillis. They were relatively new ministering in China. There was a young soldier. He came, he brought his wife. He said, is your Christ all-powerful? He said, yes. Huh? He said, I have a problem here. My wife is outside. He's demon-possessed. Twice, the demon asked him to ask her to kill herself. One by hanging, the other one by jumping into the, into the river. I have rescued her from both. Right now, I need to serve the army. I need to go report to the army. Can you take care of her? He said, oh, okay, okay. He was not very well trained in this area. And then his wife gave him the encouragement. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He realized that his theological education has not equipped him to deal with these demons. But he had to do something. So together with his wife and other church worker, they began to pray. And he confessed, I pray in doubt. I pray in doubt. And worse still, the things that he prayed, the demons took the words and then make it into a poem and make fun of them and was still around. Three days later, the, the soldier came back. How, how is my wife? I need more time. He didn't go back. But somehow, in the midst of the prayer, they sense that they need to ask the husband something. He said, do you have idols in your house? He said, yes. Can you go home and destroy the idol? So he went back and destroyed the idol. So as the idol was destroyed, the demons here in the wife were manifested. My house has been taken down. My house has been taken down. But he's still inside her. And then he came into the Bible. He read Ephesians chapter 1. About what? Ephesians about the uh, 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 power given to us. Ephesians chapter 2, authority. And how we are positioned, we are seated with Christ. With this new understanding, they begin to sing, there is power in the blood of Jesus. They sing, and then they, they, in the name of Jesus, they command the demons, and the, in the name of Jesus, the demon left. She was delivered instantly. And then he learned two lessons. Number one, it is important to know our positions in Christ, our power and authority. Number two, it is not enough just to pray and sing, even though the demons don't like praying and singing. It is not enough. They need to do one step further. They must resist the devil and command him to leave. 
You need to exercise your authority. You need to do that. But the evil one, what is his trick? Deceptions. If he can deceive you that you don't have power, you don't have authority, you're not qualified enough, you're not going to do it. Example, in the army, what is the lowest rank? Private. Correct? No rank. Lah. The lowest position, private. But if I'm a private, somehow, somewhere, and, and let's say Zuai is a major, one crap. Okay, major. Somewhere, somehow, I managed to put on a uniform and deceive this major here that I am a general. I can command him. Correct? I can command him. I can control him. How? Through my deceptions. Same way also. The evil one can come into your life and say that you have no power, you know, to smile at you, laugh at you, throw thoughts at you, and then make you don't use it. And then guess what? You will believe him. You will believe him. And sometimes he, worse still, he can even tempt us to sin. When you sin, he accuses you, you sinners, you dare to exercise authority, look at this thing that you have done. And then you say, oh. And then you yield to this. I want to share with you another illustration to help you to understand this. Most of us who stay in HDB flat, the government built flats, okay? 80% of you, all your parents are relative to HDB flat. Do you own the HDB flat? No. Who owns the HDB flat? HDB. <laughs> Housing Development Board, they own the flats. You are the lessee. Okay, I say it wrongly in the first survey. I say less. Okay, less, less. Okay, lessee, correct? Okay, that's correct. I say lessee. So, <laughs> lessee. You are the lessee. And then you can even rent it out to the tenants, correct? Let's say you grow up in this particular HDB flat. You are not the lessee, but you are one of the tenants. Somehow, somewhere, you become the tenant that you got stuck in this HDB flat. But this lessee is a horrible guy, terrible slave driver, make you, make you clean the floor, whack you, abuse you, don't want you to eat. Just somehow torture you, but you just cannot get out. You are live under that torture. But you are not in control. But one day, you strike lottery. HDB, very good. Come to you and say that. Evict out that particular lassie, the evil lassie, and then, and then make you become the new lassie. Now, you have authority over your house. And guess what? This evil guy, he left. But he's not going to leave you alone. Sometimes he come out. He can come out in disguise. Hello, I'm renting a room to rent. Can I rent your house? Yeah, can. Come in. The next moment, he began to command you and then he remind you about how you were once his slave and then he moved you around and then you are under, under his torture. Until and unless you go back to the agreement signed between HGV and you, then you look, hello, I'm the lassie, that guy, the joker. What is he doing here? Then you chase him out. But when he got chased out, he will be outside, he will do it, he will torment you, he will shout at you, he will make you do things against the HDB owner so that you get yourself into trouble. And he's going to continue to do that. But regularly, you need to go back to, to the agreement to tell yourself, I am the lessee. He's the owner and the lessee. And guess what? In Christianity, 
who is the HDB? We don't have an HDB board. We have a king, a loving heavenly father who is the owner of this world and you and I. And he has signed an agreement. This agreement is signed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you are his. You have the authority. You have the power. But you need to exercise it. Yes, the demons outside, they can influence you. They can come and catch out you, come and disturb you. But you, you know, you have authority and you have the power over it. Fourth point. Next. You and I, we need to enforce our victory by submitting first to God and then resisting the devil. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. But He, God, gives more grace, gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud and shows favour to the humble. Submit yourself to God, then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Two things you need to do to enforce this. How? Submitting to God. Secondly, bold believed. Your authority is not independent authority. It's authority given by Christ. Therefore, you need to submit to His authority. You need to live under the tutelage of God's Word. Follow God's Word. If not, you are stepping out of the umbrella of His protections. You don't act tough. Oh, I can receive Satan by myself. You look at the Bible, those who, person who do that, he cannot left, right, center. That's false humility. You need to submit to God. Live a life that's under God's authority. Secondly, bold belief. You're giving the authority over the kingdom of darkness. If you don't believe it, you're not going to exercise it. But if you believe you can exercise it with confidence, again, back to the illustrations. This time, I'm very good. I go to police academy. I go to proper training. I graduate as a policeman. Now I have the badge. I have the uniform. I walk to the junctions, but I'm very scared. <laughs> I have the whistle. I peep, 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 peep. And then I, <laughs> I dare not. Do you think the car will stop? No, the car will not stop. But another fellow academy graduate, he has confidence. He wear the same uniform. He take the same badge. He go up there. He has the same visa. Pipi, the car stop. Why? Bold belief. The difference is bold belief. Not because he's given more than me. You're given the same. It's bold belief. I remember hearing one speaker, his daughter. He he talked his daughter, the young daughter, uh, very young, about demonic world, about spiritual warfare, about authority in Christ. One day, the daughter ran crying from her room to the father's room. He said, Father, I see something in the room. Something very eerie. There are some lights there. I, I don't know what it is. The father say, why don't you go back to the room? You say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to let, get out. He say, is it? He say, yes, just go back and try. So the doctor went to the room. In the name of Jesus, command. And then the daughter ran back, very happy. Tell the father, father, it is gone. It is gone. What happened? Is it because of her number of years as a Christian? No. The difference is confidence on the word of God. That's the difference. You and I are given the same thing. We need to exercise this authority, this confidence. 
the effectiveness of our exercise of authority and power in the name of Jesus depend on our faith as well as the degree to which we are living under God's authority. God's authority. Knowing this, how do you apply this? You need to exercise it by verbalizing out some of this authority. That's what I do. When Satan come, when lies come into my mind, tell me things that are not true about myself, that I'm useless, God don't love me, what do I do? I take the word of God, I say, in the name of Jesus, I say out loud audibly, in the name of Jesus, I am a child of God. God loves me. I, com- I command you this thought to live. I exercise my authority. Look at Jesus Christ. When he encounters Satan, did he just pray quietly? He confronted Satan. Get behind me. He lift out the scriptures. He read out audibly and he commands. Same thing. Second thing, lies. Temptation come. When the temptation come, suddenly a pop-up come. Uh, uh, images turn up or a voice is telling me to lie. What do I do? In the name of Jesus, I verbalize out. I command you this thought to leave. Leave. Many times I do it, it left. The disturbance go. Accusations, words of telling them I'm no good, telling them, I, telling me I'm useless, telling me that God will not forgive me. Again, I exercise the authority. I come in the name of Jesus, I command this thought to leave. You and I are giving given the same level of authority and power to do that, to verbalize it, to audibly resist the evil one. And he will leave. Imagine what will happen if every day, all of us, this church, your family, yourself, lift up this truth, lift up the victory of Christ in your workplace, in your home, in your school, Lift up, declaring Christ's victory, submitting to God, resisting the devil, his words, his lies, and then praying. Imagine the victory we can have. And that is what it's all about here. But some of you, because of years under bondage, years under believing some of these lies, find difficulty. You need help. We have specially trained people. We have guys and also sisters if you need help, come to talk to me. I can refer you to some people who can pray with you, guide you, deliverance, and to help you through. Because we have the victory in Jesus Christ. And as I close here today, I want to give two altar calls. The first altar call, some of you today, you are hearing voices, either audibly or just impressions of condemnations telling you you're useless. useless. If these, you're hearing some of these voices in your mind or in your ear, I invite you to come forward. Christ wants to set you free. That's the first invitation. The second invitation, some of you live with paralyzing fear. Paralyzing fear. Fear of the darkness. Fear of the demonic realm. Some paralyzing fear. God wants to set you free. I also invite you to come forward. Right now, I invite the musicians to come forward. Let us now all bow with a word of prayer. Where you are, just come to God and say, God, thank you. Thank you that we have the victory in Jesus. Thank you for giving me the power and the authority.
Ask God for the bold belief and ask God to help you to submit to His authority. Shall we rise as we end with this song? How great is our God? Again, as we sing this song, if you feel there are voices telling you in your mind, in your ears, that you are hopeless, your condemnations, please come forward. We want to pray with you. Or there are un there are those paralyzing fear, paralyzing fear in you. God wants to set you free. These are the two invitations during as we sing this closing song. Please come forward. We want to pray with you. Let's sing the song together.
Jesus' most precious name. God's people say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 